And I'm going to read this psalm before I begin my message. Different kind of a message today. Uh, I call it a narrative message. Jesus often told stories to illustrate points. Uh, Luke 15 is just three different stories that Jesus told as he was teaching and preaching. And so today, you're going to hear stories of what's going through the mind of people as they come in to have a communion service. You'll meet Larry and Mary and Lenore in my message and be able to read their thoughts. And, uh, but there will also be exposition of Psalm 32 as we go through the message. Let me read it for you. Blessed is he whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man whose sin the Lord does not count against him, and in whose spirit is no deceit. When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night, your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. Selah. Then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. And you forgave the guilt of my sin. Selah. Therefore, let everyone who is godly pray to you while you may be found. Surely when the mighty waters rise, they will not reach him. You are my hiding place. You will protect me from trouble and surround me with songs of deliverance. Selah. I will instruct you and teach you the way you should go. I will counsel you and watch over you. Do not be like the horse or the mule, which have no understanding, but must be controlled by bit and bridle, or they will not come to you. Many are the woes of the wicked, but the Lord's unfailing love surrounds the man who trusts in him. Rejoice in the Lord and be glad, you righteous. Sing, all you who are upright in heart. Let's pray. Dear Father, we thank you for this day and we thank you for the opportunity we have to remember the sacrifice you made so that we could have freedom in you, freedom from the bondage of sin and guilt. We pray that you would help us to apply this passage to our hearts today. In thy name we ask it. Amen. Larry almost turned around when he stepped into the sanctuary and saw that it was communion today. It was not so much that he didn't want to take communion, it was that it always presented him with a moral dilemma. When the pastor went through the instructions and gave the invitation to confess sin and accept Christ's forgiveness, that's where it hit him most. On the one hand, he wanted that forgiveness. On the other hand, he knew that true confession meant that he would seek to give up this sin. He had a secret sin that would shock the people of this church if they knew about it. He had a pornography problem. It had started innocently enough. He had stumbled onto an internet site quite by accident. But rather than shut it down and get out and forget it like King David watching Bathsheba bathe, he had continued to watch. The next time he went to the site... It was not an accident. He was angry at his wife and didn't know how to talk to her without getting angry and just 
needed a little relief from the tension. Maybe porn wasn't so bad, he told himself. Maybe it would even help him be able to have a better relationship with his wife, he rationalized. On one level, he knew that was not true. But on another, he almost believed it. And even if he confessed this his sin, he felt no sense of forgiveness because he knew in his heart he had not committed to give it up. No, communion Sundays were not enjoyable for Larry. Mary listened to the pastor's instructions concerning communion with an ache in her heart. Was it an accident or God's design that this communion Sunday fell on this date? This is the date every year that haunted her. Even though she was past 40, happily married to a wonderful godly man and had three great kids, this date still haunted her. This was the date she had given birth to her first child that none of her other kids knew about. That pregnancy when she was just 15 because of her promiscuous youth was something she had never shared with her husband. As a buxom blonde, she had been able to control just about any boy she wanted when she was a teen. As a matter of fact, she was not even really wanting the boy who got her pregnant. She was just getting even with a girlfriend who had called her a dirty name. She had had the baby and given him up for adoption. Years later in college, she became a Christian and turned her life around. That was when she met her man at a campus ministry meeting. He was a minister's son, and she never felt comfortable sharing her sordid past with him. When they first started dating, she never really expected it to go anywhere, but they seemed to have a chemistry that drew them together. Then when he proposed, she thought of telling him, but was just too afraid that he would reject her if he knew, and she loved him so much. Since that time, she had decided it would just have to be her secret. Her family had become estranged to her, so her secret would never be talked about in family circles because they were so embarrassed about it and so angry with her. Yet every year on this date, she wondered where that first child had gone and what kind of a young man he had grown into. He would be 27 years old today. Would he be celebrating a birthday with his adoptive family? Was he married and starting a family of his own? My goodness, I could be a grandmother and not even know it. What can I do with that thought? Everybody thinks I look 10 years younger than I am anyway. The boy that had gotten her pregnant looked so different than her husband, a different race even. He would not look too much like her children. She often took a second look at lighter-skinned young men of that race and that age, wondering, could that be my son? The pastor was explaining that the psalmist used three different words for sin. Transgression, sin, and iniquity. They had ideas of active rebellion, missing the mark, and general wrongdoing. What was her sin like? She knew in her youth she had been actively rebellious. But since becoming a Christian, she had tried hard to overcome that bent in her personality. Often she failed, especially in the submission to her husband part. And what about not telling him about the whole of her past? Was that also some kind of a sin? 
She knew she felt guilty about it. But wasn't it too late now? Lenore sat with her arms folded as Pastor talked of the different kinds of sin. In every outward respect, she was without accusation. Nobody would accuse her of any wrongdoing. She was an honor student, helped in the children's program, babysat in the nursery. Yet inside, she was resisting his words. She knew that she was filled with bitterness and anger toward her biological mother. Her mother and father had married in their teens after mom had gotten pregnant following one of their wild parties. That was what dad had told them. They thought they were in love and decided to get married in spite of the odds against it working out. Daddy was brought up to work hard and have fun as the key to a balanced life. Mom loved the have fun part. Later, dad got saved at a Billy Graham crusade. Then mom had an affair and the marriage broke up. Dad never remarried and uh, Lenora longed for a relationship where she could live with him. She had been given to mom for custody and only got to visit dad on weekends. And mom remarried several times, but had never been a very caring presence in Lenora's life. They were in a constant relationship of tension. Lenora always felt guilty when pastor spoke on honoring father and mother. She rationalized that her mother forfeited her right to being honored by acting so dishonorable. She knew that in her heart of hearts, she was filled with a bitterness and lack of forgiveness that was eating away at her soul. Lenore squeezed her arms together more tightly and focused on her self-justification. If it was a sin on her part to not forgive her mother, it was her mother's fault. Her mother had never ever said she was sorry for being such a bad example to Lenore. As a matter of fact, she continued to live a lifestyle that brought home men she only knew casually. Didn't mom need to repent for Lenore to forgive? Just as she thought that, Pastor quoted Romans 5.8. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He went on describing in the context of communion what happens when we don't forgive even those who have not asked us for forgiveness. It derails our relationship with God through grieving the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 4, 30 through 32, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness and rage and anger and brawling and slander along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. Larry was laboring under conviction from the Holy Spirit. Yes, it was just as Pastor was saying. We keep those secret sins in our closets of our subconscious by locking the closet doors with keys of self-deception. Larry knew the lies he was telling himself. Pornography didn't really hurt anybody. Maybe it was okay. The problem was really God's fault because he made me with such a strong sex drive and such a susceptibility to having it triggered visually. But Larry also knew that all the deceitful arguments he was making to himself did not change the reality of the heaviness he felt on his heart and the drift he had felt from his wife since getting into the habit. Was this the heavy hand of God from Psalm 32 that the pastor was speaking about? 
Mary began preparing herself to let the bread and the cup pass by this morning. She was done with lying to her husband about this day. Every year, the lie compounded itself. One time, he caught her crying on this day, and he assumed he had done something wrong, a sin of omission, as he called it. He had assumed he'd not been careful enough to be sensitive to her, and she had let him believe that and played it out. She got flowers out of that deceit. She was feigning anger at him when really she was distraught over her own past. This wonderful, devoted man had been willing to take her false accusations and accept fault for misdeeds he had never actually done. If only she could forgive his thoughtlessness. She didn't know whether to love him or think him a fool. (laughs) Mary reached over and placed her hand on his thigh. He really was a Christ-like example to her and at least deserved her honesty. But what would it do to their marriage? She would need understanding that she did not know if anyone could give her. She certainly did not give it to herself. Yet what was the pastor saying? There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Well, what would the completeness of no condemnation feel like? Lenore loved her dad and wondered, how could he be so forgiving of mom? That almost made her want to hate her mother more. No, I think I need to hold mom accountable, she told herself. I just don't think I can do this forgiveness thing. She decided she wasn't going to do communion because she wasn't going to forgive. She was just about to excuse herself to her friends and get up and leave so she wouldn't have to explain questioning eyes if she didn't take communion. Mom needs to pay for the pain that she's caused in my life and in Dad's life. All she does is try to have fun and life for herself. How can I let that go? It was all Mom's fault. Her whole miserable life was her Mom's fault. Lenore couldn't just let her Mom off the hook. By forgiving her? Then what was pastor saying? God never lets anybody off the hook for sin. Pastor's use of the very phrase that was going through her head made Lenore settle back into the seat. Pastor continued, No, the sins committed in this world by you and me need to be punished. It's just that God knew we could not survive a just punishment for our own sins. So he took the punishment for us. And he commands us to forgive those who have sinned against us because he also took the punishment for their sins, the ones committed against us. It is hypocritical to think that we should expect God's forgiveness of our sins based upon the cross and not apply the cross to the sins of those who sinned against us. It is upon that sufficiency of the cross that all sins were atoned. And it's upon that basis that Jesus told us we must forgive those who sin against us. Lenore thought, pastor must be reading my mind or something. Then she remembered what he had told her one time. When God is present in our worship, he will shape the message of his word to fit us exactly. Even if our needs are very different than other people's needs, God can do this. Lenore gave a little gasp as she realized this meant that the Holy Spirit was speaking to her right now. He was the one urging her to forgive her mother. Jesus had died for her mother's sins and 
She did not need to be in bondage to those sins by trying to punish her mother. It suddenly became clear to her that all her hatred was only hurting her and not helping her mother toward Jesus. Larry reached over to his wife's hand and gripped it. He needed her understanding and strength if he was going to come clean before her. He knew she would be one of God's keys to helping him get over this addiction. There, he said it to himself, he was addicted to pornography. It was almost a relief to admit that to himself, but it was so contrary to his self-image. In his own mind, he was a godly, kindly, gentle man who was a loving husband and father. He was a good provider, a Sunday school teacher, a Bible study leader. His wife could not possibly suspect that such a sordid life would exist in his head. Would his wife possibly understand? There was certainly nothing wrong with her. She kept herself fit and she was attractive in every way. She was not the excuse for his seeking this secret sin. What might confession of something like this do to their marriage? But Larry knew that if he was going to seek God's forgiveness, he had to seek hers as well. Plus, he would need her as a partner to victory. Pastor was telling about the completeness of God's fix in relation to our sins when we confess them. Just as there were three words for sin in the psalm, there are three expressions of God's dealing with it. Two are positive things and one is in the negative. God forgives, this is literally carries away. And God covers, pastor explained that the covering is the idea from which atonement comes, the blood covering on the mercy seat that says justice is satisfied. And then last is the negative, God does not count the sin against us. It's like having a guilty record for a crime expunged. It will not count against us. Larry grasped at the thought with a personal application. Lord, I wish that would be true for my wife as well. I love her and I never wanted to defile our relationship with this. I hope when I confess this, she won't count it against me. Mary listened intently as pastor spoke of the completeness of God's forgiveness. He will remember your sins no more, he quoted from Hebrews 10. Mary was thinking, well, yes, that's true, but I will remember. What can I do about my memory of my sins? Almost as if she had asked aloud, pastor's message responded, Satan is our accuser. He wants to torment us with the memories of our failures and sins. Satan is behind that torment that keeps us covering up and dying inside with guilt. Jesus removed the actual guilt, but Satan wants to keep guilt feelings tormenting us. The psalmist tells us to pray to God. Mary looked at her open Bible and read the scriptures that pastor was referring to. Psalm 32, 6 and 7. Therefore, let everyone who is godly pray to you while you may be found. Surely when the mighty waters rise, they will not reach him. You are my hiding place. You will protect me from trouble and surround me with songs of deliverance. Selah. Pastor explained that when we read the Psalms and come to the word Selah, it is a clue that we're to stop for meditation on what we just read. Mary did that. If Satan is the one who is really throwing these thoughts and feelings of condemnation on me for my past, 
And if every time I started to feel that way, I prayed to God, pretty soon Satan would get discouraged at driving me into God's forgiving arms. If I prayed every time Satan is trying to make me feel distant from God by guilt, that's exactly what would happen. That's it, isn't it? That's the key to overcoming painful memories of failure. Every time I get the memory and feel the guilt, I should go to God to get the reminder that the guilt is actually gone. He is loving and accepting toward me. There is therefore now no condemnation. Those floodwaters may just be the floodwaters of guilt. The protection is the protection of God's love and forgiveness. I've certainly felt like guilt was a flood that was drowning me sometimes. He will protect me with his love. I must hope in that. As Lenore listened, she began to understand something more. Dad has freedom in relation to mom. That's the reason he can be reasonable when she's unreasonable. The reason he doesn't get caught up in her games of manipulation is that he has forgiven her the way God forgives us. Suddenly, Lenore's eyes brightened. That is why when mom takes advantage of dad by sending us over there when she's going to have a boyfriend over, he doesn't complain. He tells her he loves to have us for as long as we can be there. He even had to cancel an important business trip for us one time and didn't try any get-even games like mom would. He doesn't need to get even. He's already ahead by forgiveness. Maybe that freedom could come true for me. I've been trying to make everyone else responsible for my hatred and unforgiving spirit. I've been trying to pull a guilt manipulation on God. I've been telling God it's really his fault that my life is so unhappy, and he would not get suckered into my manipulation. It's because he's forgiving. I get so caught up in these games with mom because I've held on to my anger. If I could let it go by forgiving her, maybe I would be just as free as dad is. I hope so. Maybe I have nothing to lose by trying. After all, if I'm honest with myself, trying to keep score on mom is just making me bitter. I have to let it go. The congregation was singing now as the bread was being passed. Your only son, no sin to hide, but you have sent him from your side to walk upon this guilty sod and to become the Lamb of God. Larry took the plate with the little pieces of bread, flat and pierced with little holes. It was symbolic of Jesus' suffering body. Having seen the Passion of the Christ recently, Larry thought this bread just does not do the actual suffering of Jesus justice. He picked up a piece of the bread and fingered it in his hands. Then he passed the plate on to his wife. As Larry passed the plate to Mary, he looked into her eyes. He read pain and did not understand. She passed the plate on without taking a morsel. Now Larry was confused. He trembled a little inside as he thought, she knows. And she's disappointed that I would take the bread while living in this sin. I need to wait to confess to her. I'll just slip this into my pocket. Then she whispered in his ear, I need to talk to you before I can do this. 
Mary took the plate from Larry and steeled herself to let it pass by. Though she had committed herself that she would not let another day go by without confessing her secret to him, she trembled at doing this. She passed it on to the teary-eyed young lady sitting on her right. She leaned over to Larry and whispered, I need to talk to you before I can do this. Lenore took the plate from the pretty lady sitting to her left. The beauty of the music was welling up in her as she thought, Jesus really made it possible for me to forgive mom. He took my sin of hatred and not forgiving and forgave me. And he also took mom's sins of selfishness and adultery so that I can forgive her too. The congregation sang on. Oh, Lamb of God, sweet Lamb of God, I love the holy Lamb of God. Oh, wash me in his precious blood, my Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God. Larry leaned over to Mary while simultaneously taking the morsel of bread from his pocket. He whispered to her, Whatever it is, Jesus did this to cover it. All is forgiven, no matter what the sin. So honey, you need to take this. We both need to take this. This is our hope and testimony. Then he broke his morsel in half for his wife to have one. Mary caught her breath. He could not know what he is saying. Is he saying that all is forgiven no matter what? Well, but yes, that's true in Jesus. But that's what Jesus said to us. But Larry doesn't know what I must confess to him. He may not feel the same when he knows all is forgiven no matter what. Her eyes teared up and she squeezed Larry's hand. Just as she had confessed all to the Lord, she would confess all to Larry as well. Somehow, God would release them from the floodwaters of her guilt. God would protect. Larry saw Mary's tears and felt the squeeze of her hand. What a soft, wonderful, tender, beautiful hand. He felt confident of her forgiveness somehow, even though he didn't imagine how he was going to be able to tell her. He just knew he was going to be free of this bondage and she would be with him in this battle. He knew she would be hurt, but God would be faithful and freedom would come. The image of Mel Gibson as William Wallace and Braveheart flashed through his mind. They will never take away our freedom. He felt like he was about to enter that kind of a battle. But he felt it was the righteous fight and he knew he would need to muster the same courage as going into war. Yes, the flesh and the devil were formidable enemies. But Christ had purchased his freedom and he would have it pastor was reading the passage that gave the invitation to partake of the bread. This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Lenore put the morsel in her mouth and breathed a thank you to Jesus. Jesus, I, I just want to thank you for even forgiving me for my hatred and meanness toward my mom. And thank you for dying for mom's sins, even though she doesn't know you yet. But thank you for letting me understand that because you died for her sins, I don't have to be held captive by the hurt of them toward me. Just now, I release mom from the debt she owes me of being a caregiving mother. I forgive her. Help me to love her. 
and fill me with your love and happiness inside. Now the congregation was passing the cup and singing, Whiter than snow. Now wash me and I shall be whiter than snow, whiter than snow, yes, whiter than snow. Now wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Larry prayed with his mind, even though his mouth sang the words, God, this is what I need so desperately. I feel so defiled from my sin. Please cleanse me, make me whole. Restore to me the joy of my salvation. Restore the joy of my marriage. Larry took the cup tray and passed it to Mary to hold as he took a cup. Then he cradled it in his hand as he nodded to her to take a cup. She trembled as she took it, but passed it on down. The song continued into the third verse. Lord Jesus, before you I patiently wait. Come now and within me a new heart create. To those who have sought you, you never said no. Now wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. As Mary took the tray, she was pleading with God in her heart. Lord, cleanse and forgive. My sin is so great. She got a picture in her mind of the woman caught in adultery that was about to be stoned. She could imagine herself there at Jesus' feet. She felt she was groveling in the dust and the condemnation atmosphere. Yet there was Jesus saying, Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. Tears were flowing freely now so that she could hardly see the cup in her hand. Years of pent-up guilt. was shaking out in deep breaths and tears. Even as it was pouring out, her heart was finding a release it had never known before. Larry put his arm around her as her shoulders softly shook. He did not know why she was quite so broken this morning. All he knew was he wanted to comfort her, take her home and just hold her. He whispered to her, Do you need to leave? Mary choked and gulped as she managed an answer, No, I'll be all right. His sacrifice is just so real to me today. She knew Larry did not understand the significance of today. Then she said, I'll tell you later. With that, she regained control and a peace settled over her face. Larry assumed this was a response to her having seen the passion of the Christ. He recalled how they neither one could speak as they left the theater, how they had physically flinched as the blows were struck to Jesus' back during the scourging scene, how Jesus had cried out to the Father as our sin made God turn his face away from his only begotten. Pastor was reading concerning the cup. This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this in remembrance of me. Lenore thought, New covenant is like that verse about being a new creation. I feel that way now. I feel like a brand new person who is okay with God and the world. I, I also feel like it might even be possible for me to love my mother as well as my dad. Wow, what is that feeling about? As pastor pronounced the benediction and the service ended, everyone started leaving. Larry looked into his empty communion cup. When it is emptied out, it's ready for a new filling. Lord, give me that new filling. 
I've emptied out my lies and my sinful self to you. You know that I'm going to recruit my wife in this battle as well, but I, I know that without you filling me, I'll fail. Just now I invite your new life, your filling of the Holy Spirit, to control me and my need for your blessing. Make my blessing come from your filling. Mary reached for her purse and got some Kleenex. She wiped her nose and dried her eyes. She looked up her husband and said, Did my mascara run and make me look like a raccoon? <laughs> Larry smiled down at his wife and said, Honey, you look better to me than anything I have ever seen, and I'll explain more about that later. Mary smiled up at her husband and wondered what he meant, but she knew that somehow today was the beginning of a new life together, and it would be blessed. Blessed is he whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man whose sin the Lord does not count against him, and whose spirit is no deceit. Do not be like the horse or the mule, which have no understanding, but must be controlled by bit and bridle, or they will not come to you. Rejoice in the Lord and be glad, you righteous. Sing, all you who are upright in heart. I'm going to ask the elders to come at this time. And David and the worship team will come also and have songs to sing as we come to the Lord's table. sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, the one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. Amen.